The Art of Poetry by Quintus Horatius Flaccus Translated by Andrew Wood Read for LibriVox.org by Lenny Part 2 From a known theme I'd sow my poem frame, That each might hope that he could do the same. But, having struggled hard with toil and pain, He'd find at last that he had worked in vain. So much of veil lines well arranged and knit, And common subjects so much grace admit. Fawns from the forests brought, for so I ween, Should not, as if in cities bred had been, And trained to business in the market-place, Converse in mincing namby-pamby phrase, Or belch forth words improper and obscene, In language born of slaughter and of spleen. Patricians, knights, and men of fortune hate Such things as these, nor can they tolerate, Nor with approval crown the things which please That class who buy roast chestnuts and chickpeas. When a long syllable succeeds a short, that's an iambus, measure of swift sort. Whence also it of trimeters the name, cave to iambics when six beats the same, from first to last it had, not long ago, that it might yield a sound more grave and slow, contentedly it took, writing to please, within its own domain the statesman these. But not to quit the second or fourth place, did it as comrades kindly these embrace. Rarely we find this compound kind of verse in Osseus famed and noble trimeters. Judgment severe on Aeneas must be passed, because upon the stage he verses cast, ponderous with spondees which betoke the haste, or want of care, of knowledge, or of taste. It is not every critic who can see in lines the want of tuneful harmony, and Roman poets have indulgence got, which they undoubtedly deserved have not. Should I then ramble and write lawlessly? Or should I, thinking all my faults will see, Safe within pardon's bounds myself preserve, That were but blame to shun, not praise deserve? Ply Grecian models, my friends, Pistle, pray, With care them study both by night and day. Your ancestors, you say, thought fit to praise The wit and numbers of old Plautus' plays. Yes, one and the other, they too patiently, we may say foolishly admired if we how to distinguish wit from coarseness know, and can by beating time true cadence show. Thespis invented tragedies, he said, before unknown, in wagons he conveyed, those who to sing and act his plays appeared, having with lees of wine their faces smeared. And next came Aeschylus, the mask who used, and the grand flowing robe first introduced. The stage with planks of moderate size he led, taught lofty uterans in the buskin strad. To these succeeded the old comedy, worthy of no small praise, yet liberty to license ran, and into violence, needing to be restrained by law, and hence, when the law passed, the power of mischief o'er, to its disgrace, the chorus spoke no more. Our poets tried at everything their hand, for this our special praise they may command, because they dared Greek subjects to eschew, and from domestic facts their themes they drew. Whether they wrote in tragic high-toned strain, or humbler, plainer, low-toned comic vein. Nor less renowned in letters would Rome be, than by her glorious arms and bravery, if twere not that her poets, every one, time slaps and the foul's work were prone to shun. O Pisos, sprung from Numa's blood direct, with sense review a work, which to correct, by toil of many a day and many a blot, 
a bard has grudged, which he has treated not, with castigation tenfold, till it be changed and amended to a nicety. Because that sage Democritus pretends that genius wretched study far transcends, because same bards from Helicon hit bar, it comes that many poets slow ones are. Neglect their nails to pare, their beards to trim, avoid their bath, retirement seek through whim. For he, forsooth, it seems made rightly claim, a poet's guerdon and a poet's name. If never he his head submitted has, incurable by three enticerous, to barber listeners, O oh, stupid I, who, when the time of swing approaches, try, by purgatives my bile to put to flight, who but for this could better poems write? Tis no great matter. Therefore let me play the greenstone spark, which iron sharp may, yet of itself for cutting isn't fit. I'll nothing write myself, but in submit to those who do such rules as may write, teach them their duties and their functions quite. Teach them where their resources they may find, what forms, what nourishes the poet's mind. Teach twixt unfit and fit the difference, whither leads error, whither excellence. Good sense of writing well is found and source, the matter you'll best find if you've recourse to the Socratic words, your theme well con, the words with readiness will follow on. He who has learned what to his friends he owes, what to his country, he who rightly knows how one should love a parent, brother, guest, who understands the functions which invest the office of a judge or senator, the part of one as general sent to war, he should be skilled in that without dispute, his language to each character to suit. The skillful imitator, I would tell, of life and morals ever to mark well, the living models that with living fire the language of his works they may inspire. Sometimes a play which wants skill, weight, and grace, because tis rich in telling commonplace, and varied characters exemplifies, proves more attractive in the people's eyes. Their interest, too, it longer keeps than place, lacking in incidents, mere jingling lays. Unto the Greeks who covet not but praise, the muse has genius given and polished phrase. But as for Roman boys, tis their concern, by calculations tedious to learn. And as into a hundred parts to share, suppose one asks Albina's son, whene'er you from five ounces take one ounce away, what's left? You used to know. Four, he will say. Good, you rejoin. Well will you guard your store. But if there should be added one ounce more, say, what would be your calculation then? The sum will be six ounces, that is plain. If wealth's corrosion and anxiety shall thus possess men's minds, how should it be? that one can hope that poems can be read, worthy that we their custody commit, when once with setter oil they've been imbued, to boxes wrought of polished cypress wood. The bard seeks either to instruct or please, or he attempts to gather both of these, to compass and combine what pleasure gives with what will tend to guide man as he lives. If precepts you'd impart, use brevity, so that the docile mind may quickly see, what you would teach, it faithfully retain. From a full mind all words superfluous drain. Fiction that's meant to please should ever be as near as may be to reality. Nor should a play credence entire receive for whatsoever it asks one to believe. For instance, from a well-fed Lamia's maw, it would never do a living boy to draw. 
Grave seniors uninstructive plays will spurn, On plays austere proud knights their backs will turn. He who the useful and agreeable In happy harmony has mingled well, And in one breath delight and warning gives, A general vote of gratitude receives. A work like this merits the saucy's pay, To lands across the sea it finds its way, And down the stream of time, wafted by fame, To distant ages bears its author's name. Yet there are faults which one would fain excuse, Not aid a tone which hand and mind would choose, Gives the string forth, for not unfrequently, When we require a flat, a sharp twill be. Nor always will the arrow from the bow Strike where the archer meant that it should go. When in a poem beauties much abound, Why should we chide if a few stains be found, Which have crept in through want of proper care, Or of which human nature can't beware? What shall we say? If a transcriber make, Although we've warned him off the same mistake, He's not excused. We laugh at a harp player, Should he upon the same string always err? And so the bard, whose faults are numerous, Seems to me like that stupid querulous, Whom, if he on a few occasions shine, To wonder and to laugh at I incline. And I the same somewhat annoyed may feel, If o'er good hummers sleep at times should steal. To one who writes a lengthened work indeed, Rightly we may to snatch a nap concede. With poems as with paintings tis the case, That some please more when viewed from a near place, Whereas to others, if you justice do, them at a distance you are bound to view. Some court the shade, some love the sunlight's blaze, nor holding dread the critic's keenest gaze. Some please for once, and then to please they cease. Others, ten times repeated, still will please. O thou the elder of the piso youth, though by the father's voice thou art formed to truth, and of thyself art wise, yet what I say, take up, and in thy memory let it stay that in some things allowable may be mere average worth and mediocrity one who has no great knowledge of the laws and who can only fairly plead a cause far from a sala's excellence may be in eloquence nor as much law knows he as does Cassilius Aulus. that's quite true and yet that man has his own value too but mediocre bards nor gods i vow nor men nor booksellers will e'er allow Meets pleasant feasts sometimes to make us sick, In true discordant music, unguents thick, And bitter poppy conserves which are made, With honey from Sardinia conveyed. Because the supper might with these dispense, The greater to the guests is the offence. And so a poem which a bard indites, The offspring of his brain, to yield delights, If from the top a little it descend, Down to the bottom is too apt to tend. One who his strength in games has ne'er employed, The struggles of the campus will avoid. He who of ball who quite knows not the use, Will rest in quiet and to play refuse. Lest of surrounding bystanders the crowd Should mock his efforts with derision loud. Yet he who knows the verse not a jot Will dare to fashion poems, and why not? He's free, well-born, as fortune may suffice To constitute a knight, void of all vice. But you, such is your judgment, such your mind, Will not what's wrong to wisdom's prompting blind, Or say or do. If ever you should write, The critic Messias' judgment you'll invite, Your father's too, and mine, your manuscript, 
for nine long years should in your desk be kept. What you've not published you may change or burn. A word once uttered never can return. Orpheus, of God's priest and interpreter, the savage race of mankind to deter from murder and from victuals foul prevail. On this account, was said, he never failed, by softening influences to assuage the tigers and the rabid lion's rage. And Fiam, too, who built the Theban towers, his harp and winning voice employed as powers to move the stony rock from out its bed and lead it at his pleasure, so tis said. For this was wisdom judged in days of old, public from private things distinct to hold, things sacred from profane to separate, to check light love and rule the married state. Towns fortified to build was then thought good, and to inscribe the code of laws on wood. And thus distinction and a glorious name, to bards divine and to their poems came. Great Homer and her tales next appeared, they in their works men's manly bosoms cheered, and proudly spurred them on to fields of fight. Poems were used to bring men's fates to light. By them the proper path of life was taught, and in Pyrian strains king's favor sought. Sports were found out, and the hard work to cheer, birth served, their labor or to crown the year. To worship Phoebus, god of poetry, and lyric muse ashamed you need not be. We know another question has been raised, whether a poem worthy to be praised owes more to nature, or owes more to art. I must confess, I see not, for my part, how study without genius can succeed, and how untutored genius well can speed. Each from the other seems to ask its aid. As friends united they stand undismayed. Him in the race who'd reached the winning post, endurance much and toil it must have cost. When young he must both cold and heat have braved, himself from love and wine's enticement saved. The harpist at the Pythian games would play must first have learned and felt a master's sway. Nor tis enough a poet should exclaim, I wondrous poems write which gild my name. Play take the hindmost, where a great disgrace, if I were left behindhand in the race, and to confess, were it forsooth my lot, that I don't know that which I ne'er was taught. An auction crier to collect a crowd, his wares to buy puffs them in accents loud. Even so a poet, who's of land possessed, rich too in cash laid out at interest, his gold distributing with liberal hand, is sure the praise of flatterers to commend. And, if he's one who can a dinner give, in handsome style, or a poor man relieve, who, credit gone, needs good security, and from vexatious lawsuits set him free, though blessed he be, I'd wonder if he knew, a false friend to distinguish from a true. Should you have made, or should you mean to make, to any one a present, don't him take, replete with joy, to judge your poetry. He'll cry out, bravo, lovely, good, ah, me. Then he'll grow pale, and next there will appear, in his moist eye, like dew, the friendly tear. He'll dance and jump about, like one inspired, as at a funeral the mourners hired, by voice and action, play a stronger part than friends and relatives who mourn at heart. So will the flatterer far more move the peer than he whose approbation is sincere. They say that kings with many wine-cups ply, and thus extort from him whom they would spy, whether it be the case or no that be, a favoured and a friendship worthy be. If you'll write poetry, be sure you'll need of cunning fox-like flatterers to take heed. 
If to Quintilius you should aught recite, he'll say, I pray you this and that, put right. If that you can't do better, you maintain, for you have tried it twice or thrice in vain, he'd bid you then the faults delete or burn, and to the anvil ill-wrought lines return. But if these faults you rather would defend than take the pains to alter and amend, he not a word would add, nor further try, for then he knows he'll fail most certainly. To bulk your notion that your works and you, you fondly may as quite unrivaled view. An honest, skilful critic will find fault with languid lines, and those erase which halt. Lines that are rough he'll blame, and tropes ornate from the ambitious lines he'll amputate. For the obscure more light he'll recommend, and the ambiguous he will reprehend. About things requiring change he'll not be dumb, a second Aristarchus he'll become. Nor will he say, Wherefore should I offend in matters which but trifles are a friend? Tis by such trifles mischief is in jail, on those who've once midst public laughter failed. The wise with a mad poet contact fear, and fly incontinent if he come near, as from one with the itch or jaundice sick, the fury stricken or the lunatic. Him children of the pavement chase and hoot, and foolish adults join in the pursuit. While spouting verses he at random strays, his head erect as at the sky he'd gaze, if like a fowler keenly occupied, in sneering blackbirds he perchance should slide into a ditch or well, though long he cried, Help! Help! O citizens! Yet none will hide, to pull him out, or if there one should be, inclined to help him out for charity, and to let down a rope, to him I'll say, How know you but the man on purpose may himself have brought into this sorry plight, and would not have you save him, if you might? This, to illustrate, I would then relate the bard of Sicily's untimely fate, that fool Empedocles, who madly sought to be a deity mortal, thought, and with sang-froid for cool himself he kept, into the burning fire of Edna leapt. Give poets right, and leave to perish still, to save them guess their wish is them to kill. Nor only once has he done this, for he, though you should rescue him, will never be a reasonable man, nor cease to sigh from the desire of famous death to die. Why it is doomed that from his pen should flow a constant stream of verse we scarcely know. Did he his father's grave with insult treat? Or has he trod with sacrilegious feet the said by Dento's presence, one thing's clear? He's mad, and like a bear in his career, if it have broke the gradients of its den, the merciless rehearser worries then, learned and unlearned, and if he should succeed in catching one, him he to death will read, just like a leech which to one's skin sticks fast, nor quits its hole to gorge with blood at last. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.